Um, we're in the final week of 40 Days of Love, and this has been, I think, a great series. I mean, this has been one of those series that has really changed me in a lot of ways. Um, reminded me of things that, you know, you, you kind of start going through the motions and then you start studying something like this and you go in the, in the depth that we've been studying it and you see how God is truly moving in, in your own life. We've been challenged to love in ways that many of us never really considered honestly and for a lot of people never even thought possible. There were so many people who said, I never even thought about that. I, that, that is, you know, and, and it's, you know, like last week we talked about how we, how we need to love each other without expecting anything in return. And that is so difficult. And I talked about taking baby steps and we need to take baby steps. And the next series that we go into is called Seasons. And it's going to play right off of this series because so many people said, well, I don't want the series to end. We should go a little longer. Well, Seasons is going to play right off of this 40 days of love. So it will end, but not totally end. We're going to kind of play, like I said, play off of it. If you're like me, you want to love people and you also want to be loved. We all have a, a desire for a deep uh, more intimate relation, deeper, more intimate relationships. We want our, we want our love to, to grow stronger. But the question we have to ask ourselves is how do we do that? Like how, how do we love others um, with ex- expecting nothing in return? You know, how do we love people? How do we forgive people who've harmed us in the past? So we can love people that we may not even like. I mean, all those things are difficult. How do we do that? How do we love like Christ loved? Well, today I want to take you on another adventure. And it's really the story um, of an interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus. We find it in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, which he had, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That Jesus loved all of us so much, whether you're a tax collector, it doesn't matter, prostitute, um, just a, you know, a, a mom, a dad, it loves us all so much. He comes to seek and to save the lost. In this short encounter, the Bible gives us the beginning of the story. And then we basically end, get the result of the story as well. And the result of the story is a completely, totally, utterly transformed life. He builds a relationship 
with Jesus. And then he says this, Zacchaeus, okay, up in the tree, Jesus says, come down immediately, kind of, come on, let's go down. We're going to go home and have lunch at your house. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a meal together. And Zacchaeus, once he, has, once he connects with Jesus and they have this, whatever they talked about, we don't know what they talked about, but after they were finished talking, after it was all over, he says, now I'm going to give half of everything to the poor and anyone I've cheated, I'm going to pay them back four times. That's repentance. That is change. I mean, even now for us who've been Christians for many, many years, giving, tithing, right? Sacrificing to, to give to the church so we can invest in the lives of other people. That's still really difficult. That's difficult. For Zacchaeus, I'm sure his God was money. I'm sure of it. I mean, he, you know, wealth was very, very important to him. But when he had an interaction with a living God, his life is transformed. He's totally changed. He's willing to give up. Anything, including his wealth, something happened, something happened in their conversation, something happened that I think we can all learn from in this in this conversation he had when what we can learn is that Jesus was always willing to sacrifice in whatever interaction Jesus is involved in. Jesus was always willing to sacrifice. He lived a life of sacrifice. But then you have to ask the question, what did Jesus sacrifice with Zacchaeus in this story of Zacchaeus that would help us to, to grow, that, 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 that could help us to, to learn and to become more loving to those around us? Well, I have three things I want to share with you. What did Jesus sacrifice in his response, in his relationship with Zacchaeus? The first lesson that we can learn is that Jesus was willing to sacrifice time. He was willing to sacrifice time. If you're going to see transformation in your relationships, if we are going to see transformation in our relationships, we need to do the same. We need to be willing to sacrifice our time. Now, I'm not going to go into this in great detail because we talked about this about three weeks ago in great detail. So I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but let's be honest you are not going to be able to love. You cannot love someone with the depth that we're talking about here if you're not willing to give that person your time, sacrifice your time. Jesus didn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, hey, come on, let's get dry. Come down from there. We're going to get drive through. And on the way there, I'll, I'll share everything I need to share with you. You know what I mean? When we get there, we'll drive through. We'll get back. I'll get everything. Because listen, Zacchaeus, I'm really busy. I got a blind guy at two. I got a leper at 320. I've got, to, I've got to walk across water at five. I'm swamped. You know what I mean? I've got lots of things I need to do. So we'll just jump in. We'll go on a camera. We'll get drive through. I'll tell you, I'll bang, bang, bang. I'll hit my main points, change your life. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He had a meal with him. He went to his home. Taking the time out of your busy schedule is a real sacrifice because time is the greatest resource that you have. So if you're giving someone your time, you're giving of yourself to that person. And that is so important. Think about a meal. How long does it take to have a meal with someone? Right? It takes, it takes a lot of time. 
It takes a lot of time. And when you have a meal with someone, when someone invites you over to their home for a meal and you're having a meal with them, the relationship goes deeper. You're sitting around, you're asking each other questions, you're finding out a lot about how the person grew up and some of the things that went on in their lives. You get very close to each other when you have a meal. It's the reason that many people who are single, when they go out on a date, they go for coffee first, right? Because if he or she is a dud in their minds, okay, never a dud, but if they're a dud in that person's mind, it's easy to make a quick escape, you know, because well, coffee's over. What a wonderful conversation. I'm out of here. But if the person kind of, you know, sparks your interest, then you can, you know, croissant, another muffin, please. You get a muffin, you get more food. You know what I'm saying? You start to eat more. A meal allows for deeper conversation. Jesus took the time. Picture this. He is fully God and he is fully God. He is the king of the universe. He comes down and he hangs out with Zacchaeus and has a meal with him. You think a meal, big deal. That's a lot of time to sit down with someone you don't know and invest in their life. Jesus gave up his time. If we're going to develop deeper relationships, then we need to fight this drive through mentality that we have. Quick, you know, just quick conversations. If you really want to get to know people, you've got to take the time. You've got to invest the time into their life. Jesus paused, okay? He paused and he, inv- and he invested in people's lives. He would pause, he would stop, he would invest in people's lives. If someone had a need, Jesus tried to meet that need. He got intimately involved in people's lives. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus gets off the boat, right? He gets off a boat. And when he gets off the boat... Um, Jairus is waiting for him. Jairus is a religious leader. He was a main religious leader. And Jairus's daughter was dying. So when Jesus, Jesus gets off the boat, Jairus says to him, Jesus, come, my daughter, my, my daughter is dying. You need to come and to heal her and heal her. And so Jesus went with him. So they're on the way to Jairus's house. And you have to realize whenever Jesus went somewhere, usually he drew a crowd. All right, because he was always doing something really cool. So he drew a crowd and he's walking through the crowd and all of a sudden he stops and he says, who touched me? Now, picture, you're, you're Jairus, you want to get, you know, so you're thinking to yourself, well, what do you mean who touched you? You're surrounded by a crowd of people. Everyone's trying to reach out and touch you. Jesus stops. Okay, Jairus is probably thinking, we don't have we don't have time for this. Okay, we don't have time for this. I touched you. I just just try to move you along. Sorry for touching you. But let's keep going to where we need to be. Jesus stops. Okay, and he ministers to this woman. It was a woman who touched him. And Jesus basically invests in her life. He invests in this woman who was hurting to bring her hope and healing. While at the same time, so he stops and invests in her life, gives her time. And then he continues to love and to minister to Jairus and takes care of his problem. But Jesus, even in the midst of other things going on, when, they, when he knew that there was a need, he stopped, he engaged, he met that need. He loved he was, he, his, his love was overflowing to folks. If we're going to love like Jesus, we need to sacrifice our time. You cannot love deeply the way Christ loved without being willing to sacrifice your time. The second lesson we can learn is that Jesus sacrificed superficiality. 
He sacrificed superficiality. If I'm going to love like Jesus loved, then I'm going to have to dig below the surface in a relationship. I'm going to have to get below the surface. And this is becoming more and more difficult in our culture. You could be sitting right next to someone, okay? You could be almost in a conversation and you can't get that person's attention because of maybe they're on their cell phone or whatever the case may be. But we need to sacrifice superficiality. How many times do we see people in need and give them a superficial response? We, we, we act in a superficial way. We need to give people our focused attention. And that is extremely difficult for someone like me, believe it or not. We need to sacrifice superficiality. I, I um, believe it or not, I'm kind of like a squirrel, like, you know, that movie uh, up. And sometimes if uh, and years ago, I was so bad at this. If I'm talking to someone, for example, I'm talking to Andrew and then someone else comes over and taps me on the shoulder, I would turn from Andrew and look at that person and engage that person. I didn't finish my conversation with Andrew. See, we, we need to discipline ourselves, sacrifice. I learned that about myself, and I had to sacrifice and discipline myself not to behave that way. I've called many of you on the phone and said, hey, did we finish our conversation? And, you're, and a lot of you are like, what are you talking about? I don't remember finishing our conversation, and the last thing that was said, I want to make sure that I didn't turn away. I'm still... I get concerned about that. We need to give people our focused attention. It shows them that we love them. People talk all the time about how many friends they have in life. Oh, I've got so many friends. I'm, I'm really popular. A lot of friends. Or how many Facebook friends they have. I have 1,427 Facebook friends. My question is, how deep of a relationship do I have with, you know, 1,000 whatever number of those folks? How much, what, what kind of deep relationship do I have with them? Or is it more of a surface relationship? Do they really, do those 1,427 people from all over the world really know me? Do they, do they, do they know who I am? Do they understand what makes me tick? People stay on the surface because it's safe. And this is where we, we miss out. You know, relationships sometimes don't, don't go the way you want. So people stay on the surface because it's safe. People let you see what they want you to see. And Facebook, and I'm not criticizing it, and I'm not ripping it to pieces. Don't get me wrong. I'm on Facebook, okay? Um, Facebook, though, is a perfect example of this. We put the positive highlights of our lives on Facebook, right? We post, we post our perfect pictures, of our perfect children and our perfect spouse on our perfect vacation. And then everyone looks at other people's Facebooks and say, I wish I had their life. I wish, oh, I had their relationship. I wish I had their kids. Their kids never, look at, they're always smiling. They're always smiling because they put the best pictures on Facebook of their families. It's not real, okay? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I know people intimately, all right? And then I see their Facebook and I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's like complete, sometimes complete fantasy, all right? So the point is we need to be intimately involved in each other's lives, not just, not just surface. I mean, get below the surface. Get below the surface. Take, have the courage to engage people and get to know them better. My, one of my challenges to you in this sermon is that th- this week you'd, fi- you'd have one conversation 
One conversation where you intentionally take the conversation below the surface. One, just one. Pick one person. Okay, write that down so you don't forget it. I want to take one person and have a conversation with that person intentionally that goes below the surface. Ask them questions like this, for example. All right, deeper questions. Um, tell me about yourself growing up. Tell me about your, your family, what kind of family you had growing up. Ask them, like, what is your most, tre- this will really get the conversation going and get it deep. What is your most treasured memory? And then you could say, what's your most difficult memory? You want to really get somewhere? Ask someone what the most, and then if, but don't ask it unless you're willing to take the time that you're going to take the time, sacrifice your time, okay, and your superficiality, sacrifice those both together. Because when you ask that question, you have to put yourself in a posture, your, your communication, your body language has to say, I asked the question, I really want to hear the answer. Say it. Be silent. But body language, okay, which is 93% of communication, needs to say, I want to hear you. And let them talk. People want to tell their story. People want to share their hearts. And in this culture, it's becoming more and more difficult. You want to freak people out this week? I was walking in the back, and so many of you, and I said to you, hey, how are you doing this week? Hey, how's it going? And everybody's like, yeah, good, everything good, right? Here's what you do. The next, when someone says to you this week, or someone asks you, hey, how you doing? Tell them. Tell them, okay? Oh, man, my whole family had the flu, and we were going through, and my head was pounding, and all that kind of, and then, or you could say something like, oh, my dog, just, oh, my dog had, is blind, has diarrhea, and it was all over the house, it was just a, oh, my gosh, I was getting, you, you ever try to clean up diarrhea from a blind dog, and, you know, oh, the bills are piling up, I don't know what we're going to do, you know, I, my, my, my rent is way behind, and I'm trying to, I mean, actually share with them, and here's a response that you're going to get from eight out of ten people, a look up. I don't care. <laughs> I was just asking, how you doing? And I want to hear, fine, how are you? You know what I mean? That's it. So if you want to freak people out this week, when they ask you how you doing, start, stop there and actually respond to them and tell them how you're doing. Um, how many of you s- sacrifice um, superficiality in your relationships? Ask yourself that. Think about that. How many of us sacrifice superficiality to, to, to build deeper, more meaningful relationships. Like I mentioned, we don't, we don't know what Jesus actually said to Zacchaeus. What we do know is what was said brought about major transformation, major change, repentance in his life. Whatever Jesus said to him brought about repentance and total change. When, it, when you get below the surface, when you take the time, when you take the time to you know, sacrifice your time and you sacrifice your superficiality and you get below the surface, you will bring about transformation in another person's life. People need to be heard. They need to be heard. You know, seriously, in a culture where you're, you're almost afraid now to like get near anybody or touch anybody, whatever, people need hugs more now than they did in the past. People need to be heard more now than they did in the past. And, we're, and that's going the opposite direction. So our great need for, for connection and communication is being kind of pushed to the side when we most desperately need it. 
When you sacrifice time and you sacrifice superficiality, you will bring about transformation in people's lives. They will, they will go below the surface with you. And when that happens, you can see a transformed life, just like Jesus transforms Zacchaeus' life. And I, we, I saw this. We were on a men's retreat recently. I'm going to show you a video. And we saw people just kind of opening up and being able to share more more. So the men's retreat this year was uh, pretty fantastic. I'd never been. uh, Signed up two days beforehand because Dave from the pulpit last Sunday gave a convincing speech and convicted me, and I thought I should give it a shot. Uh, So it was great. I didn't know hardly anyone and came out and gave it a shot, and it was a blast. I learned a lot. Um, It was challenging, and it helped me see some things in a different way. And also got to know got to know a lot of new people from the church uh, that I didn't really know, even though I've been there for two years now. Um, and hopefully, give me some more friendly faces on Sunday mornings to say hi to and catch up with and go deeper than just "Hey, how was your week?" or "What do you do?" The feeling that I had to be here, and and so I'm here. And I tell you what, this has been a life changing weekend. I learned so much, but I, I learned that I have so many other people who are going through things similar to me, and, and they're, they're my brothers. They're here for me, and and it's just amazing to, to, to go through an experience like this. And the holy bumps were happening all weekend, and, and there's no no more amazing feeling that I have had. My second time coming this year. What uh, of the world? Any guys were out there who say that? they're shy or um, didn't want to come, that this is the most welcoming environment you could ever imagine. Uh, To come together as a family, and it feels like a family. Okay, so we need to sacrifice our time to love. We need to sacrifice our superficiality to love. But we also have to sacrifice our own agenda. Number three, Jesus teaches us that we need to sacrifice our own agenda. If I'm really going to love, if I'm really going to love someone, I need to make sure that their agenda becomes my agenda. Um, last week was a Super Bowl, really great Super Bowl. Um, Deb and I were watching four of our seven grandkids, and they were they were over the whole week. And uh, Drew and Jen were going to get home um, right around the Super Bowl, you know, from from Europe, and uh, and their plane got stuck in uh, New Jersey. So the Super Bowl was starting. I had an agenda, friends. I got to watch the Super Bowl, okay? And so now the grandkids are still there. And so I'm about sitting down, ready to watch the Super Bowl. Said, hey, guys, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. This is going to be great, Super Bowl. Eleanor comes up on my lap and says, "Uh, Pops, let's play Go Fish. I don't want to play Go Fish. I've been a good Pops all week long, okay? I was like, you know, handing out candy, whatever he wanted. It was, I didn't care. You know what I mean? I just love my grandkids, but it's... It's come on, guys. It's super. It's the Super Bowl, and she wants to play go fish. 
I figure, let's sit up here, bring the cards up here, we'll play. How hard can I play go fish while you're watching the Super Bowl? You know what I'm saying? So she got up there, I, and, and then she said, no, we have to sit on the floor and play go fish. And then Lorelai came over and wanted to play go fish, so we're sitting on the floor. But then Layla can get over there, too. You know, what a one, you know how a one-year-old plays go fish? Okay, right in the middle of the pile, taking all the cards and going like this and carrying on. And I tried to use logic and reason to explain to these grandchildren how important the Super Bowl was. And it didn't matter, okay? So we played go fish for a while during the Super Bowl. Now, let's be honest. I mean, just straight up, what's more important, the Super Bowl, right, or go fish? <laughs> I don't want to play go fish. I had an agenda. I had my schedule laid out. I had it all. We, this was a Super Bowl, okay? What was more important? Well, yeah, now, yeah, exactly, right, because it's your grandkids, right? It's your grandkids. We played go fish because their agenda became my agenda because I love my grandkids more than I love the Super Bowl. I love my grandchildren more than I love the Super Bowl. When, when it comes to life, you, you, have to, you have to allow other people's agenda become, to become your agenda. Almost everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd, and their agenda became his agenda. Little, little side note, okay? I'm not saying that you have to allow people to run you absolutely ragged. I'm not sa- saying that you, can, you can't say no, okay? Jesus took the time to get away, to reflect, to be restored. He took that time. The important thing is, there's two key words, balance and heart. You need to have a balance, okay? You need to have a balance, but you need to have a heart for other people. You need to be willing to make their concerns, their agenda, your agenda. When... when what you'll find out is when you sacrifice your agenda for, for others um, and you start really listening to people's hearts, you hear their pain, you hear their sadness, you hear their brokenness. You have to be able, like Jesus did, to be able, you need to put other people's concerns before your own concerns. If someone comes to you, again, balance, balance, don't get lost because people say, well, you can't do that. You'd be wiped. I know you would. That's why Jesus took the time. But in many cases, when we're interacting with people, we need to make their concern our concern. Loving is saying, I'm going to sacrifice my agenda for your agenda. Simply loving someone is saying, I'm going to play go fish and not watch the Super Bowl because you're more important than the Super Bowl, right? You can, you can record the Super Bowl. You're not going to get another chance to play Go Fish. And to tell you the truth, it lasted all about 10 minutes, and they were bored and on to something else. But you gave them that time. You, you told the other person their, their agenda is your agenda. So here's my question that I think will help us all out, okay? Here's a question. When you're in a conversation with someone else, how quickly do you turn that conversation to yourself, to your own agenda? Someone's talking about a surgery they have to have. And instead of listening all the way through, you turn it around to the surgery that you had last year. Someone says, I'm struggling in this area. Oh, yeah, me too. And you turn, and I'm not being critical, okay? Don't, be, don't, feel, don't feel like, oh, I feel so terrible. I did that last week. So did I. So did I, okay? What I'm saying is what you want to try to do is ask yourself, how, 
how quickly do I turn the conversation to myself and to my own agenda? It's just a good way for you to discipline yourself when you're in a conversation to allow a person to finish what they're saying. And then obviously it's not a bad thing to interject something you've been through like that and go back and forth. But always think, allow them to continue to speak, allow them to share what's on their heart, allow them the time, make make sure they understand what they're saying is more important than what you're saying. That is so significant. When it comes to relationships, one thing that I've learned is that everybody, everybody is waiting for someone to sacrifice. Everybody is waiting for somebody to sacrifice. In your marriage, the husband is waiting for the wife to sacrifice. The wife is waiting for the husband to sacrifice. In your friendships, you're waiting for your friend to sacrifice, and they're waiting for you to sacrifice. And someone's waiting for someone to call them, and they're not going to call them first. And everybody's waiting Everybody's waiting for someone to sacrifice. Everybody's waiting for someone to sacrifice their time, to sacrifice their superficiality, and to sacrifice their agenda. And here's the thing. As followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus is calling his followers to be the somebody, okay, that everybody's waiting for. I am called by God to be the someone to sacrifice my time, my superficiality, you know what I mean, not to be superficial, and my agenda for the other person. That is what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. And I know that's difficult. And I know that takes prayer. And I know that's far beyond sometimes what, where we are spiritually in our maturity level. But that is what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. People are desiring others to reach out to them. Zacchaeus was, was desiring that. And I think so many people feel like Zacchaeus in a tree um, alone, feeling like they're totally alone, waiting for someone to reach out to them in love and to show them some love. To l- People need to tell their story. People need to, to tell what's going on in their lives, what's burning them, what's making things more difficult in their lives. They need someone. We are responsible, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're responsible to be that someone. What kind of world would this be if we actually live this out? I want you to bow your heads with me as we close. I want to do two, two more things, actually three more things as we close out here this morning. Ask yourself, what keeps me from making these sacrifices? What is it that keeps me from sacrificing my time, my superficiality, my agenda? Because Jesus lived a life of sacrifice. And he calls us to live a life of sacrifice. He set an example for us. And then he did something far beyond that. He sacrificed himself on the cross to pay for our sins, for our weaknesses, for our imperfections, for our shortcomings. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, everyone in the world has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you're here today and you've never said yes to that sacrifice that Jesus made in the cross for you, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we need to get reconnected with God the Father. We need to be reconnected. And that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never said yes to that sacrifice, if you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to encourage you this morning to do that. 
I want to encourage you because all the things that we're talking about are so difficult to accomplish and they're impossible to accomplish on our own. That sacrifice that we need to make, but it's that sacrifice that allows us to go deeper and to build more meaningful relationships. It's that sacrifice that gives me hope, that gives you hope to keep moving forward when we think all is lost and we can go no further and we pulled ourselves up and our bootstraps have snapped and we've reached deep down, there's nothing left. It allows us to hope and the strength to keep moving forward. It's that sacrifice that teaches us how to truly love other people. If that's your desire this morning, I want you to pray with me. I want you to just pray to yourself a simple prayer, but I want you to pray this prayer with me. If it's your desire to fulfill what God has called you to do in your life, that is to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to get there, then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. God, thank you for the gift and the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Just say to him quietly, Father, I do confess my sin. I realize I'm a sinner. I don't need Pastor Jeff or a Bible or anything else to tell me that. I know I am. I've lived long enough to realize that I'm imperfect and my imperfection separates me from you. And I, so I ask Jesus to come into my life and be Lord of my life and wipe away all that sin. Please fill me with your spirit. Please show me my purpose. Help me to love you more. And help me to love my neighbor as myself. I give you my life. Guide me. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please connect with me, connect with one of the other pastors, one of the other staff people, one of the elders, someone in the church, so we know, so that we can help you take the next steps in your spiritual journey. I want to close out this series um, with communion. And I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. After I'm finished reading, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the cup. I'm going to pray for the bread. They're both back here on these tables. Once I'm finished praying, if you're here for the first time, it's really simple, and you're welcome to join us. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can get up, go to the back, take the bread, take the cup. You can come sit back down here, and you can take it. You don't have to wait for anybody else. As the Spirit leads you, you go back to the table, take the bread, take the cup, sit down, pray, reflect, take the elements, okay? You don't have to wait for anyone else. So I'm going to read... I'm going to pray. After I pray as the Spirit leads you, you can go back and take communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and to worship you this morning. 
God, we know that it's only through the resurrection power of your son, Jesus Christ. It is only through a living Holy Spirit in each one of us that we can accomplish what we learned during this series. Even just this morning, we know it's through the power of your resurrection flowing through our veins and your Holy Spirit working in our lives that we can even attempt to love the way you call us to love. So we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his body, which was given for us on the cross, that we could have a relationship with you, that we can draw from your power, that we can be called joint heirs of Jesus Christ, that we know that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We thank you for his body given for us. We thank you for his blood, which was shed for us on the cross. The cup that represents your blood. That allows us to enter into the holy of holies. The veil was torn. The separation between man and God was torn. And now we who have a relationship with you can can enter into your presence and talk to you like a father, like a daddy. What a gift. We can ask what we need in Christ's name, but we can come to you. We don't need anyone in our way, Lord. We can come to you. What a gift. So, Father, we pray. We pray with all of our hearts and we thank you for this cup and we thank you for the bread and we thank you for what it symbolizes. We thank you, Lord, that through the power of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, that we have the power to do what you called us to do. You're not going to call us to do something that you're not going to give us the ability to do. And Lord, it is through the power of the resurrection that you give us the ability to do it. So we thank you for Jesus. And we pray all these things in his blessed name. Amen.